0: i do it for you. Almost 41 years ago, I met the most amazing woman that has ever been born on the earth. And I don't say that because I'm a preacher and I just have things I need to say and make it sound good. I think she is the most amazing woman ever born on this earth. She was nothing like anyone I'd ever dated, not that anyone I dated was terrible, but she was very much different. In February 1983, I was 19. I have to look at the sheet to make sure I get the dates right. February 1983, I met her. I was 19 and she was 18. Just imagine us at 19 and 18. No wrinkles, no shaking. Lots of hair like Johnny Clark. And she changed my life forever. This year on August 18th, we'll be married 40 years. And Verlin says, I've been married for 64. (laughs) I'm trying to catch up to you, but it's hard. You just keep going and going. I can honestly say that there's no love like her love. Outside of Jesus Christ, no one has loved me more than that woman right there. I have a love song for her that carries no pain, but nothing but promise. And we're going to look at the Song of Solomon and help you to find a way to write a love song for your spouse. And if you're single, you want to learn how to find the right one that will write a love song for you. I believe that the Song of Solomon is the greatest biblical love song ever written. It's the greatest love song written between a relationship between two people. If you've never read it, go home today, sit down, read the whole thing. It's eight or nine chapters. I can't remember exactly right. Now, I will say this. Well, let me give you a little background. and We're going to pray here in just a minute. We're going to go through the whole book, but not verse by verse. We're going to use specific verses to highlight attributes of a good love song. And we'll get Jesus put in there too. So don't go freaking out and say, oh, he's, he's not talking about Jesus. The whole Song of Solomon doesn't mention Jesus one time. Literally. But we can use the love that he has for his bride, for the love that Jesus has for us in the church. Song of Solomon is broken up by chapters, but it's also broken up by three different people. There's he, she, and others. So there's their friends and what they say, there's the, the man and what he says and the woman and what she says. And if you have a, a, a good Bible, you'll see that like in mine, it says uh, the bride confesses her love. So he, he says she and so, so she starts talking in verses two, three, four. And then it goes to he. I'm sorry. Then it goes to others. And then it goes to she. So it kind of breaks it up for you. So you see there's these three people that are talking in this love song. And I believe there should be three individuals or different sorts of people that should be talking in your love song. There should be the husband, there should be the wife and there should be the people around you. Because you can't help but know that people know how good of a marriage or relationship that you have. The people around you. They know whether it's good or bad. Your kids know whether your marriage relationship is good or bad. Amen. They know. No matter how much you hide it. Boy, we are clumsy today. (laughs) Coffee, drop the word of God. I know, hurry up, hurry up. I'll I'll get into this. Michael's single, so he's... (laughs) So there's times when she's talking, there's times when the friends are talking, and there's times that he is talking, and we're going to break that down because I think it's important to separate the, the different views that each of us have about each other. Again, we're going to look at four aspects over the next month. We're going to interest in intimacy, dealing with infidelity, and intensity. And just so you know, the world in which we live in, there are forms of infidelity that we don't think are infidelity that are infidelity. So we'll just kind of put them out there for you. Amen. I can tell you're going to be excited about week three. <laughs> It'd be me and three other people. So I want to start by this because this is not going to be a fun exercise it's going to be a faith exercise because some of you have a loved one that you've lost. And so I'm going to talk about things that are going to be hard because you've lost that love you had that love and they either passed away or or whatever happened. And so there's going to be some sadness there or you've you've had it and lost it or you've never had it and it's depressing for us to read the Bible and say, this is what the Bible says about the optimum relationship. And you say, but I've never had that and I'm never gonna get that. That's the problem. We need faith, not fear. So we're gonna need to have some faith today that what the word of God says is true. Amen? So here's what I wanna do. I wanna start by opening the altar and I want you just to come forward with your loved one and pray. If you're single, just come forward and say, God, send me a hot one. <laughs> Not a hot mess. We're gonna, I'm going to show you. There's nothing wrong with that. It's, that's biblical. So let's go ahead, heads bowed, eyes closed. Let's stand real quick. Just stand. You want, just, I just want your hearts to be prepared. So just, just come forward. Bring your spouse. Come on, don't be afraid. Heads about, eyes are closed. Just ask the Lord to open your heart. Ask the Lord to open your heart. If you're single, God, open my heart. I need to know truth. God, open my heart. Help me. I want a love song relationship. I want a song of whoever you are. Father, help us to understand. Help us to put aside the pain, the failures in relationship that we've had, the bad experiences that we have. Let's help us set it aside and just be open to you today. And don't pray, open my wife's heart or my husband's heart. Pray, open my heart. Because we can only control what we decide to submit to God. Father, I am foolish enough to believe that Christians should have the kind of relationships that should be just filled with love song. That when the husband sees his wife, he wants to just break out in song. That when a wife sees the husband, she just wants to break out in song. That when their friends see, or their their kids see their parents, they, they just want to break out in song and say, this is a great love song. Father, it's worth fighting for, and I believe there's people in this room. There's nothing they want more than to either have a love song for someone or to ha- or to have a love song sung to them by someone. Open our hearts up today, Lord God, as we look through your word. Give us the grace we need to have the relationship that honors you. And, and in all honesty, Father, I think it's right to ask that you would bless our relationship so we would have a happy relationship. We love you so, in Jesus, we pray, and all God's people said, amen. amen. Y'all may be seated. Interest is simple. When we talk about being interested in somebody, it means that we like that person. And you say, well, that's silly. I love my wife. I love my husband. But do you like them? I mean, like when you, when you talk to them, do you like, like this person? Or are you kind of like, okay, I love this person because I'm married to them and we've been together for so many years. But I don't know. There's just some things about them I don't like. And we have those attitudes uh, that we have to be careful of. See, I like this person not for what they do, but for who they are. I like this human being. When When I say that I like Deborah, when I am interested in Deborah, I'm interested in the person that she is, not in the things that she does as the person that she is. I like her as a human being. I like everything about, and we'll talk about what that breaks down to look like, but when I say I like her, I just like her as a person, not as, just as my wife. I would like her if she wasn't my wife. In the right way. But as my wife, I just like the person that she is. And we've been married for 40 years, and I've, I've, every, every day I've liked the person that she is. Sometimes she doesn't do all the right things. But that doesn't change who she is. See, so you can change what you do, but you can't change who you are. You can change what you do, but you can't change. If you you go back to who you are as a created being, there are certain aspects of who you are that you've always been. She's always been the person that I see now. She's always been that person. Sometimes it's hidden by things that she does, but she always goes back to when, when she deals with the things that she does, she becomes the person that she always was. So let's go to Song of Solomon, chapter 1. And we're going to see that that the woman, the wife, has some insecurities. She's got some insecurities. How many women would be honest and say, I got some insecurities? Christine just shot her hand up. Got some insecurity. Song of Solomon, chapter 1 and verse 5. I am very dark. But lovely. So she's not totally against how she looks. But let's look at the insecurity. O daughters of Jerusalem. Like the tents of Kedar and like the curtains of Solomon, do not gaze at me because I am dark, because the sun looked upon me. My mother's sons were angry with me and they made me the keeper of the vineyards, but my own vineyard I have not kept. So she knows that she's dark. She's dark because her brothers were angry at her and made her do all the outdoor chores. And made her do all the outdoor chores in the sun. So she became dark. And she was darker than the average woman in her area. So people would think that that wasn't as beautiful as she could have been. Because she was working outside in the the vineyards. And she says, "I, I took care of other things, but I didn't take care of myself. I think there's some insecurity there. Sometimes, ladies, you feel like you just don't take care of yourself like you should. And so there's this insecurity that she had. But, but he says this in verse eight. So she's looking for him. Where, where is he? And she says, if you do not know, O oh, most beautiful among women. Now Solomon was married to multiple wives and I don't know where this wife was in, in relation to the other hundreds of wives that he had. But he called her the most beautiful among women. She had this insecurity, but to him, He was so interested in her that she was the most beautiful among women. In verse 15 of the same chapter Behold, you are beautiful, my love. Behold, you are beautiful. Sometimes you just got to tell an insecure woman, not just once, but twice, You are beautiful. You are beautiful. Because you don't listen the first time because of your insecurity. I'm not beautiful. To him, she was the most beautiful among women. Her beauty interested him him in her. And I think it's important to have a sense of attraction towards the person that you're with. Again, not to what they do, but to who they are. And not just to how they look, but, but who they are because of what they've been through. There's an attraction there. In my teen years, I dated a woman, uh, uh, girls that were very different than Deborah. Uh, I generally looked for, um, I generally dated um, blondes and redheads and brunettes, but not raven-haired women. And when I saw her, she was the most beautiful I've ever seen. I remember in my mind as a a teenager thinking, the woman that I'm going to marry is going to have this dark raven hair. And I met her and it was like, (laughs) cha-ching. We got it made. And she was the most beautiful among any woman that I've ever known. Because she was the exact person that I had dreamed of. So even though Deborah may struggle with how she looks. There isn't a day that goes by that I don't tell her she's the most beautiful among women. And I'm not saying that, you you can say, well, he's just saying that. No, I do every day. I tell her that she's the most beautiful among women. So y'all got to step up to her level if you're gonna get close to her beauty. But that just means that I love her. I like her. I'm attracted to her. Because she's perfect for me. He preferred her. Uh, Song of Solomon chapter two. Song of Solomon chapter two and verse two. A lily among the brambles. So is my love among young women. He preferred her. So just, just imagine that woman that's prickly and problematic and a pain. That's the brambles. Prickly, problematic, and a pain. But she was not one of them. Because there's, there's a lot of women that are prickly and a problem, problematic, and a pain. She's never been that. She's always been a lily, lily among the brambles. Are you with me? Okay. Okay. And she preferred him, Song of Solomon, chapter two and verse three. As an apple tree among the trees of the forest, so is my beloved among the young men. My dad and I logged a piece of property in uh, Battleground, Washington, that we were building right away. And we went in on this right away. And usually when you build right away, you're the first one to get into the woods. So we got into the woods and we got to this spot where there was this open field. In this open field was this cabin that was probably made and built in the 1800s. So it was just flat down to nothing. But in that clearing, there were apple trees that were all over the place. Now, we were trying to log fir, but what I, was, what I preferred to the fir was the apple trees because the apple trees intrigued me. Somebody had planted that there and grew this beautiful fruit, and I ate apples off these apple trees that, I don't know, were probably planted in the 1800s because that's what you did back in the day when you found a piece of property. You would open it up, and you would put some apple trees on there because you needed apple pie. Because everybody needs apple pie. As a lily among the brambles, as an apple tree among the trees of the forest, so is my beloved among young men. And then he gets specific into what he likes, and we're not going to get into that because of, of because I think it's personal. I think there's things that I really like about that Deborah that interests me about Deborah that it's between me and Deborah. You don't need me to give you a list of all those things, but you kind of have this list that you break down. I really like these aspects of this person. In Song of Solomon, chapter 2, and verse 14, he says, Oh, my dove in the clefts of the rocks and in the crannies of the cliff, let me see your face. Let me hear your voice. For your voice is sweet and your face is lovely. Guys, when was the last time you thought that about your wife? I want to hear your voice. Ladies, when was the last time you felt like your husband just wanted to hear your voice? And you wanted to see her face. Deborah Jane and I have this problem. We've had this problem in marriage. This is probably the biggest problem we have. She never goes to bed until 2 o'clock in the morning and I get up at 4. <laughs> so then she sleeps in and then, so I'm awake for several hours and I just, I wait for her to wake up. Like I'll schedule meetings with you around when she's going to wake up. Because I'm more excited about seeing her in the morning coming out of the bedroom and just seeing her face and just being with her. I just, I love that about her. I, I'm, I'm more interested in her than you, sorry. <laughs> but I want to hear her voice. I want to see her face. The other day she was scrolling on Facebook and I was just staring at her. Like a stalker. And I was just thinking to myself, how blessed am I? How blessed am I to have that sitting next to me? I don't even care that she was on Facebook. I don't even care that she wasn't paying attention to me. I still am married to her. I win. Amen? Okay, this will get better here in a minute. And he summarizes in Song of Solomon 4.1. He literally says, behold, You are beautiful, my love. Behold, you are beautiful. And I thought about this. How would you describe your interest in your spouse? Because see, that's, I think, the key to a love song is you have to be descriptive of what you really like about this person. And I see a lot of couples, I see a lot of married couples who you never know what they like about the spouse they're with. Because they never say anything. How would you describe it? How would you break it down? How would you summarize? He begins to be descriptive in natural ways that could be understood and not by perverted by men. But she understood what he was saying, and he summarized this in Song of Solomon four seven. We're going to get through Song of Solomon in about an hour, and then I'm going to preach. You are altogether beautiful, my love. There is no flaw in you. You are altogether beautiful. There is nothing about you that is not beautiful. Ladies, how many of you would love to hear that from your spouse? You are altogether beautiful. There is no flaw in you. See, I believe when you are uh, interested in somebody and you really like them, you don't notice their flaws. Remember when you first started dating your spouse, they had flaws. But you ignored the flaws because you saw beyond the flaws to see what you liked, liked about them, and you, you just liked them. And then you got married, and then you've been married for a while, and now all you see is flaws. <laughs> Amen. Stay with me. There's no flaw in you. Genesis 2:25 says Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden were naked and not ashamed. There was no flaw in each other. They saw each other and there was no insecurity. There was no fear. They just, they knew that there was this relationship that was built upon, on, on interest. I mean, Adam saw her and said, this is not bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She should call a woman because she was taken out of the man. Like, she's mine. I'm really interested in her. I want her to be my spouse. I want her in my life. And he goes on to say in Song of Solomon 4 9, you have captivated my heart, my sister, my bride. You have captivated my heart with one glance of your eyes, one jewel of your necklace. How beautiful is your love, my sister, my bride. How much better is your love than wine and your fragrance than oils, and, and then your oils of any spice, sorry. You look good, you intoxicate me. You smell good. That's Interest. You look good. That interests me. You intoxicate me. I'm drunk on love. I'm I'm consumed by my love for you. You even smell good. And then she was asked by others, what makes him so different? Look at Song of Solomon chapter 5 and verse 9. Song of Solomon 5, 9. And the others, the friends say, What is your beloved more than another beloved? Almost oh, beautiful among women. What is your beloved more than any other beloved that you thus adjure us? And then she goes in and she kind of talks about what she likes about him. Ladies, do others know what you like about your husband? Do your friends, do your children know what you like about him? Do they know? Does your husband know what you like about him? I think we get caught up so much on the flaws that we don't see the things that we liked when we first started dating that person. Does your husband know? And don't do one of these, well, well, he knows. Does he know? When was the last time you actually sang that song? sang a song of of praise for the man that God gave you in your life. If you're single, looking for somebody, you want to make sure that you find somebody that you could describe the way that he describes his love and interest in his wife. If you can't find anything you like about them, they're probably not the person that you should be with. If your only interest is in what they do, not who they are, please don't get connected with them. He, he says in Song of Solomon 7.1, this is the ugliest part of her body. Song of Solomon 7.1, how beautiful are your feet in sandals? They used to walk around in the dirt in that day and they, their feet were dusty and dirty and they, they would be all crusty and all, Worn out, wearing them sandals, you stub your toes. Come on, I've seen you in flip-flops. And y'all feet are ugly. But when you really are interested in somebody, when you really like this person, even the most ugly part about them, you can find something good to say about it. And he goes on to describe her other attributes after that summarizing with how beautiful and pleasant you are, O oh loved one, with all your delights. There are so many things about you that I just really like. He goes on to say this in Song of Solomon 8:13. 13. Oh, you who dwell in the gardens with companions listening for your voice, let me hear it. Ladies, when was the last time your husband said, just, just talk and I'll shut up? I'll not try to fix you. Because that's what we do as men. We want to know what the problem is so we can solve the problem. The problem is you won't listen. Shut up. Your wife, girlfriend, friend is probably not as stupid as you think they are. They just need somebody to talk to. Deborah Jane and I, one night, we were talking and she was trying to share her heart and I went into pastor mode and said, well, here's what the Bible says, honey. Straight and she said, I need my, my, my friend, not my husband. Or no, I'm, she said, I'm sorry. She said, I need my husband, not my pastor. That's what it was. And we keep trying to fix things. Men, stop trying to fix your wives. Listen to them. It's like reading the instructions. Read the instructions before you build something that you can't handle. Go on YouTube. Listen to somebody who's built it, know, that knows what they're doing. Listen to what they say. Just listen to your wife. She probably doesn't need you to fix her problems. She just needs you to listen. If you're really interested in her, you'll be interested in what she has to say because she probably knows the answer already. She just needs you to kind of listen. If you were to meet this couple, it would be evidence that, that they liked each other. Not just for what they did, but for who they are. If you met this couple. Now for the single people in the room. Three times she gives a warning in Song of Solomon. Three times she says, if you haven't found that guy, here's my counsel to you. If you haven't found that person who's interested in you. If he cannot write a love song to you. Song of Solomon chapter 2 and verse 7. Song of Solomon two seven. I love the sound of paper in the morning. I adjure you, O daughters of Jerusalem, by the gazelles and the does of the field, that you not stir up or awaken love until it pleases. Song of Solomon chapter three and verse five. I adjure you, O daughters of Jerusalem, by the gazelles and the those of the field that you not stir up or awaken love until it pleases. Song of Solomon, chapter 8 and verse 4. Three times. When I used to tell my kids things that they weren't listening to, if we got to the third time and they weren't paying attention, then they were on their own. I adjure you, O daughters of Jerusalem, that you... Not stir up or awaken love until it pleases. Don't stir up and awaken, awaken love until, until it pleases. That word pleases means to be interested in or to like. Don't stir up or awaken until it pleases. Don't move too fast or don't be too forward until you find that person who's interested in you. Don't find somebody that likes you for what you do, not who you are. Don't even date that person. Don't even be around that person. Don't stir up love until you find that person that really likes you for who you are, not what you do. That's Song of Solomon. Don't fall in love, get married, be intimate with somebody until you know that they are interested in who you are. Not what you do, but we live in a, in a time where it's all what you do that, that drives our decisions. I hear young men still saying, I've been saying it as long as I've been alive, if you really loved me, you would do this with me. Now, if you really loved her, you wouldn't expect her to do that for you. You would respect her more than that because you would respect her person, not your pleasure. See, I told you I'd get to the preaching. See, this interest, finding somebody interested in you is challenging to find. But when you find them, you'll not look for anyone else. If you find somebody who's interested in you, you'll search no more. The, The moment that I found Deborah Jane Everybody else was off the table because she was it. I was interested in her. I wasn't interested in anyone else. You can't tell me it's not worth trying for. If you're single, you can't tell me it's not worth trying to find somebody who's interested in you. They like you. They like who you are. They don't care about what you do. They care about who you are. Don't sell yourself short settling for something less than what God is teaching us from the Song of Solomon. You can't tell me it's not worth dying for. Some of you have been in bad relationships and it's killed you. It's destroyed your life because you got in a hurry and you wouldn't wait to find that person who's interested in you. So I thought about how to transition this. Because I still can't just not mention Jesus in this sermon. Because I believe Jesus is interested in you and me. In the same way that Solomon was interested in his bride, in the same way that his bride was interested in Solomon, I believe that Jesus Christ is interested in his church and he's interested in us. And I thought, well, how do we apply this from a spiritual standpoint? Because I can stand up here and say, find somebody that you like. Find somebody that you can pour your life into that you like that person. You like the way they look. You like the way they talk. You like the way they are. You like the way they act. You like the things they do. But we need a spiritual aspect of that. And the one that we look to that teaches us how to like somebody is Jesus. Jesus likes you. How does, he, how does he show that? Jesus touched people. Let me just read the verse. Matthew chapter eight and verse one. Go ahead and turn there. New Testament. Malachi where you can skip over so you don't have to read on tithing. And Matthew right before Mark, Luke, John. Acts, Romans, don't go that far. Matthew chapter eight. Verse one. When he came down from the mountain, great crowds followed him. And behold, a leper came to him and he knelt before him saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him. Saying, I will be clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. Think about this leper for a moment. It could have been months, years, decades since somebody touched him. I don't know if you've ever been in a relationship where there is no touch. But you notice when you've been touched correctly, there's power in touch. And Jesus reached out and touched him, touched his arm. And the, the 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 interest that Jesus had in this man was that he would have hope. And that that love came through Jesus, filtered into the man and cleansed him of his sin. And it transformed him. Touch will transform you. I remember my wife having our first child. She yelled at me a lot. Said things she shouldn't have said about me. Stop breathing in my face. S- Stop breathing in my face. I can't remember how you do it. It's been years. And she was kind of mean, squeezing my hand, like crushing me, saying it's all your fault. And she made, she made, <laughs> she was this is crazy I, I i know you women say this is hard but it shouldn't be that hard <laughs> and i remember her going through all of this pain and then this baby coming out and they took this baby and they didn't hand the baby to me which i think is appropriate because i'm a dad i'll probably drop the kid <laughs> but they handed the baby to deborah and i watched has all that pain and all that screaming and all that complaining and all that arguing and all that noise that was coming out of her, the moment that child touched her chest, the pain went away. The pain went away. And it was all because of touch. I think that's where love begins for a child. When that child feels the touch of a mother, and all the things that child had to go through to squeeze that. You think it's hard on you, it's gotta be hard on them too. But the moment that they touch, you can, just, you can just see love happening. It's beautiful. I was talking with some old men the other day. We were talking about how fathers, how most of our fathers never told us that they loved us. And we weren't sitting there and going, oh, my dad never said he loved me. Because I remember, and I've told this story several times, I remember coming, meeting my dad, getting out of the pickup and grabbing his hand and him walking me in the house, holding onto my hand. And when dad was touching my hand, I was safe. We would go for walks in the field and I would be in ruts. I, I was just a little punk kid. And I'd be walking in ruts and I, you know, cause that's what kids do. We walk in the ruts and he would just hold to my hand and he would hold me up when he knew I was going to fall on my face. My dad showed me he loved me by the way he touched me. Jesus, the way he touches us makes us feel that he's interested in us. Touch has a bonding benefit. If we did high fives in church, you would all think we're closer together. Back slaps, handshakes, hugs—we're all closer together because of it. Now, there's laws of social contact. There's certain ways don't touch somebody else's wife or husband. I did a wedding one time, and I walked up behind a woman who looked exactly like my wife. And I put my arms around her and she leaned her head back into my, into my chest right here. And then she turned around and it was not my wife. <laughs> For a moment I thought, oh, this is wonderful. And then I was like, ah! <laughs> so there's <laughs> If you've ever been touched wrongly, and I don't mean to be depressing, but if you've ever been touched wrongly, you know the power of that wrong touch how it can destroy you for so much of your life. But if you've been touched well, like my father holding my hand, that you just know that you're loved. When Jesus touched somebody, it was as if he was saying, I want to do life with you. There's a song we used to sing. Shackled by a heavy burden, Neath the load of guilt and shame. Then the hand of Jesus touched me. And now I am no longer the same. He touched me. Oh, he touched me. And oh, the joy that floods my soul. Something happened and now I know. He touched me and made me whole. The moment Jesus Christ touched me, it changed my life. I felt the love that I never felt. Like I knew that he cared about me, that he wanted to do life with me, that he literally is singing over me. How much he cares for me. The second thing we know about Jesus, not only did he touch people, but he looked at people. Look at this. Mark chapter ten. We're almost done. And you know, if you've been here very long, that that doesn't mean anything. <laughs> Sorry, I'm trying. Mark ten twenty one. And Jesus looking at him. This is a rich young ruler who was asking, how do I get to inherit eternal life? He needed Jesus' help. And Jesus looking at him, loved him. He looking at him, loved him. He was looking at him, loved him and said, you lack one thing. Go sell all you have, give to the poor and you'll find treasure. And you'll have treasure, treasure in heaven and come follow me. Jesus looked at him and it changed everything. Jesus looked at him. When was the last time Jesus looked at you? Now, how does he look at us? He looks at us through his word because he sees the truth about us and he tells us things about ourselves that we didn't know and he speaks to our heart and he's trying to tell you I see you in fact the word of god pierces and divides the heart, the soul and the spirit he he looks at us and says even though you're not perfect i'll pay for your sins even though you're not pure i'll die for your sins. He's looking at you and says, I'll give you you a way to eternal life. And it's through me. Jesus looked at him and said, you lack one thing. You lack me. And I wonder who Jesus is looking at in the room today and saying, I really like you. I want to save you from your sins. I want to be your savior. I want to be your God. And he's looking at you right now. And he's saying, I'm here. The third thing that we find about Jesus is Jesus looked at people and he listened to people. He listened to people. We're not going to go there but it's Luke chapter 24 verse 13 and 39. Jesus Christ had just been crucified, was buried and rose from the dead. And we find him coming up to some followers, two followers who are very disillusioned by Jesus' death. They didn't know he had risen from the grave and they were very sad and Jesus shows up and he just starts walking with them. And this was Jesus' big day. Now if I I had risen from the dead after being crucified by Roman soldiers. The first thing I would have done is I would have shown up at Pilate's house and knocked on his door
1: and said, here's
0: Jesus. Because he thought he was dead. I would have shown up at the Pharisee's house and said, okay, all you religious nuts. You thought you killed me, but I'm risen from the dead. I would have made a big deal of my return to earth. I've been down in the pit, I've been down in the pit preaching to the to the lost, and now I'm back here. Death couldn't hold me. I would want you to know that death couldn't hold me. But Jesus, instead, you find him walking with some disciples who are discouraged. And he just listened to them. And they complained and they stressed and they struggled and they said, We don't know what's happened to him. And he just listened to their story. Can I tell you something? When I read the book of Psalms, I read how Jesus listens to us. If you read the Psalms, you'll notice something about the ones that David wrote. He always started out by saying, where's God? My life sucks. This is horrible. And then he realizes in this conversation that God just kind of says, I'm here. And he goes, oh, well, I forgot you're here. And then he talks positively about who God is. Because God's willing to listen. See, Jesus is willing to listen to you. In fact, the Bible says in Luke chapter 24 and verse 30, with these two men, while they were sitting at the table with him, he took their bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened and they recognized that he, van- and he vanished from their sight. And they said to one another, so he was there and He vanished. Do not our hearts burn within us while he talked with us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? Did not our hearts burn within us? Have you ever had that moment in prayer where it's just like you know that Jesus is listening to you? And you can feel something different in your heart? That he's interested in what you've got to say, that he's interested in who you are. It's the same interest that I find with Deborah. I, when I listen to Deborah, I just love her by listening to her. That's how Jesus liked people. Touch, look, listen. And it equals that he liked you. You Say, how does that help me today? I'm not sure. Because I don't know where your love song is. I do know this, if in your marriage touch is a problem. You've been touched wrongly. You've got to pray that God gives you an understanding of what that means and how, if you're married, how that touch can be healed. The healing touch can happen if one spouse who's touched wrongly can repent of their sin. Not just to God, but to the person that you've hurt. Because touch is important. And some of you, like you've been married so long, you, you don't even hold hands anymore. You, you, you stopped holding hands. You stopped touching each other in appropriate ways. You might need to ask yourself, why? Why did I stop? Well, we've been married so long, we don't need to touch each other. Touch is powerful. Touch speaks volumes. Look at each other. Look at each other. Deborah and I have a place that we go. We got caught there yesterday by somebody in the church. We go to this one place where we sit across the table from each other. In fact, I I told her yesterday, we're gonna buy this booth. It's our booth. And we just go and sit there and we just talk. Just me and her. And I listen to her and she listens to me and I listen to her more because when a woman gets the chance to talk, they will talk. That's not a negative. You guys got a lot to say. And we're very simple people, this men. Uh, that's our conversation. Listen. When was the last time you wanted to listen to your spouse? When was the last time you were with somebody who just wanted to hear what you had to say? Not try to fix you. Not try to solve your problems. Just hear Your voice. If you don't have a spouse like that, if you're single or you're married and you don't have a spouse like that, you need to find it in Jesus. Jesus will reach out and touch you. Get in his word. The word will change your life. Start praying. And he'll start looking at you. Start praying and he'll start talking to you. You're single and you haven't found that person. Don't be so desperate to find anyone out there that will actually go out with you. Because most of the time they'll go out with you because you're so desperate, you'll do whatever you have to do to get them to like you. If you have to do things to get somebody to like you, they're gonna like you for what you do, not who you are. And you're gonna be stuck with that the rest of your lives. Jesus doesn't like you for what you do. He likes you because God, his father created you and he gave his life for you. He died for you. You know, it's true. Everything Jesus did, he did it for us. Find somebody who's interested in you. If you stop being interested in each other, you need to go to prayer about that and and do this. Ask God the Father to give you one thing that shows that you're interested in your spouse and build the whole relationship off the one thing you like about them. I like your feet in sandals. (laughs) You got to start somewhere because continuing on the way that you're going is not going to make a love song. It's not going to make a love song. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Let's stand. I'm sorry. Let's stand. You know it's true, Deborah everything i do i do it for you i really like you i like everything about you even your feet in sandals <laughs> and i don't say this is a is a is a preaching moment for me just to say that i do like you i like you I don't care if you do anything ever the rest of your life. I like you as a person. I like the way you look. I like the way you laugh. I really like the way you laugh. Unless you're laughing at me. (laughs) But you know it's true. Could you say that about your spouse? And maybe you can and you just haven't in a while. I believe God gave us the song of Solomon to see what the optimum relationship is to be like, that it's a love song. Don't be in a hurry. If you're single, don't be in a hurry to find the one to settle down with because you're usually settling with that person. Find somebody who's interested in who you are. And you know when they touch. And you know when they look into your eyes. And you know when they listen to you. They really like you. One of the things that I'm more worried about about our future is, is marital relationships. Because the younger generation don't know how to do what I just taught today. Most of the young couples I'm running into love each other, but they don't like each other. You're missing out on the greatest part of relationship. Being with somebody that you'd really like doing life with. I've been married to this woman for almost 40 years and I like doing life with her. More than anyone else. I love my kids. I love my granddaughter, but I really like her. She interests me could you say that about your spouse? If you're single, could you say that about the person you're maybe dating right now? I really like this person. And more importantly, do you realize how much Jesus likes you? He wants to reach out and touch you. He wants you to feel love. He wants you to feel value. Do you realize he wants to look at you and he'll see all your faults and your failures and say, I can forgive those. And he wants to listen to you. So let's pray. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Father, we love you. I knew this series was going to be different. And it's not going to be in any spectacular words that I say. It's got to be a movement of the heart in the room today. That people who seek what the Song of Solomon sang or sings is what they want in their relationship. that they're going to have to want this in their lives and know that the only way they're going to get it is if they come to you and get from Jesus what they need to see in their spouse. I think there's some people like the men on the road to Emmaus that are just discouraged and disillusioned. And they're looking for you just to listen to their cries And to show them that you've been resurrected from the dead and there's always hope in Jesus Christ. In every relationship that's broken, there is hope in Jesus Christ. But it takes Jesus Christ to bring that hope. Encourage our hearts today, Father, to come and just talk to you. Heads bowed, eyes closed. If you need to talk to the Lord this morning, come forward, he's he's here to listen. Come on, heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Angelo, come give me some music in the background. Could you do that, please? You're single and you haven't found that one. Come pray. God, give me that person that I'm interested in. Give me that person. One that I can like. I just really like this person. Father, bring them into my life. Show me that they're the one. I don't want to rush. I don't want to get in a hurry. If you're a married couple in this room today and you don't have a love song or if your love song is a sad song, why would you want to keep singing that song? When you can come to God and say, God, I need to have a different kind of interest in my spouse. If you're alone, I want want the kind of love that lasts 40 years. I want to hear what people who have been married their whole lives say to each other. How they really like each other. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. How many be honest with me and say today, I'm struggling to find that kind of love in my life? Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Come on. I'm struggling to find that kind of love. Anyone else? I'm struggling to kind of find that kind of love. Amen. Gracious heavenly Father, Lord, for those who are struggling to find it, show them Jesus. Father, let them find in Jesus. If they can't find it in the person they're with, let them find it in Jesus. Jesus is interested in us. He cares about who we are, not what we do. He paid for what we do so that he can have a relationship with who we are. Father, open our hearts up to you to just feel your touch today. Just reach down and touch those that maybe haven't felt a loving touch in years. Father, let them see you looking in their eyes and that you can know that they can know that Jesus loves them. And maybe just listen to us today because we don't know how to respond to what you've brought today. This is not a typical church message. This is the message out of a book that we have to find God in. Help us to find you today. With heads bowed and eyes closed, how many you be honest and say, Pastor Andy, pray for my marriage. Just pray for my marriage. I won't say why, but just pray for my marriage. Amen. Anyone else, pray for my marriage. Father, give them what Solomon had. Give them a love song. Let us trust your word that you promised that if we trust in you, that you'll bless us. Maybe their love song has a twist in it where there was a sad part, but now it becomes a part of joy because you've begun to do miracles in a marriage. There's some marriages that need miracles. It would be a miracle if I could like the spouse that I'm with. Do a miracle. Change a heart. You're the only one that can do that. We can't do that by just saying we're gonna, we're gonna love our spouse more. We need you to be active and working in our lives. Father, move us in your way. And Jesus we pray and all God's people said. Y'all may be seated real quick. Pastor Mark, if you you want to come on up. I don't know how to work this thing. Here, let's try this. Just yell real loud. That's what I do. Amen. Yeah. And as many of them, yeah,
1: many of them have come to Jesus, given their been baptized at our baptism. And we want to try to support them spiritually. Jesus said, feed my sheep, right? Yeah. So, I'm I'm there. I don't know now. I have to. <laughs> I'm there every week at, on Wednesdays at six thirty, told the Bible study just For students. So if you're a student, please come to that Bible study. It's at the Visitor Center. So just check in. Um, I'm I'm there every Wednesday, 6:30. Uh, For everyone else, please be in prayer for the job course students. These young men and women are just at their beginning steps, many of them and following Jesus. And I just love to hear them. I love to hear their questions. I love to hear their hunger for God and for his word so I just want to invite you students to come to that study every week every Wednesday and I just want to invite everyone else to just be in prayer for that time of outreach and study with those new believers and those students who are coming to those meetings every week thank you very much
0: God's doing some great things at New Life. I'm really excited about how he's opening opportunities up for us to not just win uh, people to Christ, but to disciple them along the ways so that they will go out and share the gospel of Christ with others. Amen? Amen. Uh, let's uh, pray one more time. We'll go home. Father, this is the beginning. I pray that those don't get discouraged who are here today because they might think it's impossible to find that. But Father, this is not a a one-week service where we're trying to solve all the problems of the world in a moment. We're trying to put some pieces together to give them some tools and some encouragement over over their lifetime, not just for the moment. So Father, continue to hear their cries today. Continue to answer their prayers. Continue to give them conversation between husband and wife, boyfriend and girlfriend, whatever. uh, That they would be able to have these conversations about liking each other. I think it's important, Father. We love you. We thank you for Jesus Christ. We thank you for those who have attended today. We pray that they are encouraged throughout the week. We love you in Jesus we pray. And all God's people said, Y'all may go home. Don't forget your kids, please.